Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Do you, need, do you need to get up and do some deep knee bends and some yoga? No, if I do that, I may get stuck. Can I interest you in a Chandler, an outdated now Chandler Parsons Memphis Grizzlies yoga mat? Oh, that's right. You have a yoga mat. <laughs> hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazers outsider Danny Meringue. And River. Are you God. singing Old Man River? <laughs> That's just how I feel right now. Uh, you were playing in the park today. I saw on Twitter you're out there getting your shots up. Yeah, yeah. I've got a little contest with Brian No coming up in a couple of weeks. Got to make sure Jay stays tight and um, so I can sufficiently embarrass him. How are you feeling? Are you feeling confident? Oh, uh, the jumper's good. The body's broken. So. Right. <laughs> so what is the contest going to be? Problematic. Uh, it's most made threes out of a hundred from NBA range. And we're either going to do it at the hoop in Beaverton or at Portland state. I'm not sure which one we're going to do it in. Are we, are we selling tickets and taking bets and everything? Do we have somebody on the corner saying step right up, place your bets? Yeah, no bets will absolutely unequivocally be made and allowed and even encouraged. Uh, the, the, the safe money, it will be on me. The long shot will be on Brian. No. Are you going to be making a whole bunch of bets again this year like you did last year? Like, are there any, like, fiery potato chips or corn chips involved? Or are we going to have to go through that again? A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I love love making wagers. I I already, when the first line came out, I can't remember which one I put it down on. It was either 43 and a half or 44 and a half, the first one that came out for the over. I took that because I've got the Blazers at 47 wins. So I was was comfortable putting a, 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 a... bit of money down on those this year yeah i'm not not ready to go there yet i still am trying to figure not out even, what happened with Vegas trip well well so okay so when it comes out to lines that that are coming out now um you know from vegas the line is this the line is this the winds are over that blah, blah 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 like everybody acts like that's what the actual projections are based on oh. how good the team is supposed to be not on like how much people are willing to bet Yes, those are lines to encourage bets. Right. So I want to wait until the ones, you know, that come out that are more like based on what people think is going to happen and having run the simulations 900 million times that are like independent of whether or not people in Los Angeles are betting on the Lakers or the Clippers. You know, I feel like that's really going to skew it this year, too. Yeah, but I mean, when, especially when that when you see a number that's either really high or really low. Mm-hmm. Like last year, I told some folks to to take the under on the Celtics because I believe the number was like sixty one. I was like, they're not oh, getting yeah. anywhere near that. Like yeah. that's an insane number. Um, I think it was the same with the Sixers. I think it was a stupid high number. But I I put a little bit of money on the under on a couple teams last year, and uh, I didn't put any money down the Blazers because I I I, I felt like the the injury bug was going to hit. It hit, but the Blazers still hit the over. So. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this year plays plays out because there's so many teams, right, that are like, well, they're pegged between like 44 and 50 wins. Like the 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 great diaspora of of superstars of of the summer of 2019 is like is making the Western Conference uh, a lot more compressed. Like the only like quote unquote off night is the Suns, and they're really not a bad team anymore. Like they they got better. I think there's going to be a surprise team between the Dallas, New Orleans, Sacramento trio. Oh, and by the way, in San, excuse me, San Antonio is fully healthy again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got everybody back. Like they were a good team last year. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a year older, and they they're getting up there. I mean, they still have they have some young guys coming up. You know, they're one of those true dynasties. Like you've heard my dynasty lecture enough before. But I consider them one of the true dynasties because they have their old guys, but then they have the young guys coming up behind them. Speaking of old guys, in the most respectful way, I don't mean that in like disrespectful (laughs) way, but this week the Blazers signed one of the 
elder statesmen of the league. They signed Shut up, the old guy. <laughs> they signed Pau Gasol, thirty nine years old. He's been in the league for an eternity. Um, oh. Without looking, where would you say in the rank of like oldest in the league he is? He's the oldest active player in the league. Well, is Vince still playing? Did Vince sign the contract? I, I I feel like Vince said he was going to play one more year, but I'm not sure. I don't think he's. I don't know he if he's signed yet. I have to double check, but like it's between him and Vince. So Vince is the old. So from last year's players, Vince was the oldest. Dirk was after him, and then Jamal Crawford, who I don't know if he's completely done yet either. He might still be able to get. He's going to go like Udonis Haslam, and he's never going to officially retire. Right, and Udonis, but didn't I thought Udonis said that he was done. He has not said that. He actually oh, okay. he actually put a thing out the other day. I think it was like a week ago where he's like, would you stop telling me to retire? I'll do what I want when I damn well please kind of thing. Because <laughs> nobody tells UD what to do. So, and then Gasol is after him. And Powell, uh, I can't remember. God, I want to give the hat tip to him, to whoever reported this one. God, I can't remember. But Powell will at some point in time, I think it's in January, be the oldest player that ever played for the Blazers if he's still on the roster oh, then. Oh, interesting. So he'll he'll pass up Kurt Thomas, who was just short of forty. Oh yeah. He had um he was he was up there. Um what I think I thought was amazing though about Vince, he Vince Carter played seventy six games last year and he shot thirty eight percent from three. Yeah, no, he completely retooled his game. He's he's got old man game now. He can just sit out there and just bang from outside. He's like, I'm cool. I don't have to dunk on anybody anymore. But then we saw a video of him surface the other day where he was still 360 dunking, and it was like, oh, okay, that must be nice. Yeah, he's found the found the fountain of youth. I mean, he's he's incredible. But anyway, sure, getting he's good for you. Getting back to <laughs> Pau Gasol. So, how surprised were you? I was shocked. I mean, I. I just, it was like, he was the, just somebody that I never even thought about them. We talked about him a little bit. I just didn't think he was going to come back. I thought, I thought he was done. Yeah. I thought he was going to have the foot surgery and call it quits. Um, if he comes back from that, he's, he'll likely be fine. Like he, in 2017, 18, he played 20, almost 24 minutes a night. Two seasons ago. Last season was, he only played 30 games and he only played like 12 minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 he he had the foot issue, and that was it. Like that was just just shut him down. But like before that, I mean, he was still ten and eight for the mm-hmm. Spurs. Like he was still a viable player. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not. I don't think it's any stretch of the imagination to assume that Paolo Gasol can give you twelve to sixteen minutes a night. I, I just as long as there's no lingering issues, and it, and it sounds like he's gonna be good to go here in like two weeks. Do so, you recall what kind of foot surgery he had? I can't remember. Okay. Uh, you you do worry a little bit when you hear foot surgery and seven footer, but it's but it's not like we're looking at recurring issues or a guy who's going to play thirty minutes a night. We're looking at a guy who's going to get spot duty, play probably six seven minutes in the first half, and then four or five in the second. Right. So, so you know, my next question was going to be, what do you think his role on the team is going to be? And it sounds like to me, you're confident that he's ex- going to be expected to play. Yeah. He, Hassan Whiteside has played over 30 minutes in his career once, and he played 32 and a half. That's, he, he's a seven-footer. He's a, Like in a single game or over a season? No, no, over a season. So, like, so expecting him to play 30 minutes a night is just – it's not a thing. And then we're talking about a game. Zach Collins has only played over 27 minutes in a game three times in his first two years. So expecting him to go from 17 minutes a night never getting to that, like, 30-minute mark regularly to just – Hey, I can play 30 minutes, not even just from a physical standpoint, but like the basketball standpoint, fouls, being in the right place at the right time, you know, heck, you know, Stott's kind of not pulling the leash a little bit. Um, I think all those things are going to kind of factor in, which is why I think uh, Powell's going to have some minutes out there. What's going to be interesting is how they utilize Powell, right? Because Powell's kind of the ideal big uh, for Portland to play with offensively. Because of his uh, passing abilities and being able to run the offense through him a little bit. I mean, you're talking about a guy who he's got probably like 10, 12 seasons of over three assists a game. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's pretty damn good. There's not a lot of seven footers you can say who have played as long as Powell has, who averages over three assists a game. Like he just he's a very, very good passer from the high post. Hell, he 
from from outside the three-point line. He, he's a phenomenal passer. You can run the offense through him. You can run pick and pops. You can run pick and rolls. You can have him in the high post as a facilitator if you want to play him with Zach, which I think we'll see at times. Um, and in those cases, I think you'll see Powell operate more as a four with Zach more inside as a five if the Blazers believe that Zach can finish inside. Like that's, that's the kind of – I think one of the storylines that we'll see this season is – can Zach finish through contact? Because if that's not the case, then they may opt to have Zach more uh, perimeter oriented and Powell more inside. So if you're feeling you know confident that Gasol is going to be getting some of those minutes, how do you see you know him complementing the other bigs that he might be in the game with? I, I think he'd play off Zach just fine. Um, the other guy the other guys I should say you might see him with or will see him with or Hazonia and, and Tolliver. Um, Tolliver is going to be more of the floor spacing variety, which would put Powell uh, primely inside. Uh, same thing with, with, with Hazonia. Um, I honestly, I think it would be a lot of fun to see uh, Hazonia and Powell on the floor at the same time uh, as secondary playmakers. If you've got Hazonia and Powell and you've got, let's say Baysmore, Simons and, Whoever else, if you want it to be Hood, if you know, if you want to slide Bays up to the to the three and have Dame or CJ out there, you've got five guys on the floor that can create for themselves mm-hmm. and create and create for others. What what was the the big thing that, that that we talked about a ton, Tara, over the years when it was Aminu and Harkless and and these other guys? It was siloed players. They do this and this, but not this. Now I'm not saying that Hazonia and and and. Uh, Baysmore and Gasol and these other additions are uh, stars, but they do have a broader skill set that I think will play better inside particularly Terry Stoss's offense. We're not going to see uh, 10 to 12 minutes of Gasol out there on ISO is what you're saying. Yeah, no, no, no. But here's the thing. In that second unit, when things get a little messy, you know what they can do? They can give the ball to Paolo Gasol, one of the best and most efficient post scores we've seen in the last generation. He can get you a bucket or two if you go give him the ball. Like that's that's something that the Blazers just haven't had with you know with the exception of you know adding Ennis Cantor to the roster behind Nurk. So I, um, as somebody who saw thirty nine in the rearview mirror quite a few years ago, <laughs> I can tell you that the closer you get to forty, the bigger the difference um, of your physical your ability like physically you know do what you could do before (laughs) starts to diminish real close to 40 uh and you know him having been out like he only played 30 games last season he only played like 12 minutes it might be good for yeah it could be rejuvenating for him um actually you know when i went to go watch some of his highlights i held my breath because i was like is it gonna look like dirk or is it going to look like Vince Carter? And let's expect that it's going to be somewhere in the middle because, you know, some of those guys are not as mobile. And so, you know, his ability to, like, I guess what parts of his game um, are you most like, are you just thinking it's going to just play exactly like he's always played or like which parts of his game do you think um, will, you know, be as good, you know, as close to, you know, who he's always been, that the Blazers need. Okay. So this is going to kind of be a grander statement than anything else. The Blazers have clearly, clearly said, you know what? Offense is a lot more fun. <laughs> Let's go in on that because outside of baseball, there's not a primary defender in the group that they added. And don't, don't give me the white side stuff because blocks do not equate defense. There, well, there, there, there are too many people out there who, I trust who say that within a team scheme, he's problematic. Um, and we can't just write him off completely. No, but you also can't put him up on the pedestal and be like, well, look at his defensive field goal percentage at the rim. It's like, yeah, there's, there's a couple things at play here that we need to kind of take a look at. But the grander point is, is like they, they got guys who want to play faster. Mm -hmm. And, I think that's going to be what we're going to have to kind of get used to. Not that the Blazers were this grit and grind, you know, just, unbelievable defensive team, but I think there's going to be some rough stretches defensively, but also I think we're going to see less of that stagnation offensively. Like, Oh, Dame's having a rough night. Boy, they better figure it out. Well, I think you've got a few more pieces to kind of get it done. And Gasol fits into that because he comes into the second unit. He can work in the pick and roll. He can work on the DHO. He can finish inside at the rim. 
you know, he's got a post game. He's got a mid post game. He's a facilitator. Those are all things that, that work. Right. So I, I think those are going to be, uh, fun additions, but certainly going to be limited. That's why I keep saying 12 to 16 minutes. I'm not asking the guy to come out there and give you 30 minutes a night. I, th- I think we're well past that. I still, I th- I think that seems like, uh, a lot to me. What I was excited about when I, mean, I didn't even think about him really putting a lot of minutes up. What I'm excited about is his incredible uh, experience and him being able to sit on the bench next to Zach Collins, Nurkic even, and download. I just want to mind meld with him. I want all of his uh, experience to flow into Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic so that, you know, like in Matrix where you like you wake up and all of a sudden you have all the knowledge mm-hmm. of Gasol. Like that's what that's what I want. I want him sitting next to Zach Collins saying, "Oh, DeAndre Jordan, he hates it when you pull on his shorts, and he always goes to the left. And this guy does this all the time, and this guy doesn't like it when you do this. And like, here's a thing to say to this guy that'll really piss him off. Yeah, he's been in the league almost as long as Anthony Simons has been alive. Mm-hmm. Well, and Naz Little, let's not forget that Naz is actually younger than Anthony. Oh yeah. Well, but I mean, we're talking. I mean, I think more people will probably relate to. I, Anthony still, I'm, I'm, I'm still getting used to, to Nas being on the team. <laughs> I know. I'm, tr- I'm trying to like move us away because everybody does it. I'm just trying to move us away from like the whole Anthony is so young thing. Cause maybe, I don't know. I've never talked to him like you have, <laughs> like maybe he's a little tired of it. So I'm trying to be sensitive to that. <laughs> no, it's, uh, but you it's, know, I mean, anyway, uh, yeah, the experience of Pau Gasol is what I'm super excited about because the Blazers have not had a big man coach since Kim Hughes. They've not had somebody to sit with their big men and give them all the information that just big men need to know, right? Yes. In the, um, I, I want to caution one thing. There are people that I know that have covered him in multiple stops around the league. This is not a negative about Pau Gasol. He's he's not a mentor type. Um, and I, I think a lot of people in the league who stick around for a long time aren't mentor types. Now, you get events. You get a Jamal Crawford who take guys under their wings. Darrell Wright was one of those guys. Um, I mean, but, you think Chris Kamen was a mentor type? <laughs> yes, Chris Kamen's a mentor type. But you know who wasn't? Prisbilla. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's plenty of guys that are, and there's plenty of guys that aren't. And that's not it's the, it's not a negative if you're not. From the guys that I've talked to that have been around Powell, who've either covered him or worked with teams around that you know he was been on at those times, he's not that guy. Uh, he's a fantastic human being, wonderful to work with, to deal with all those things. But I don't think he's the guy who's going to take Powell un- or take Zach under his wing and like s- coach him up. But as far as like the stuff that you said, like the little things, like how to how to be successful in this in this league for a long time. And if anything, if I'm if I'm Zach Collins, I'm trying to learn through osmosis. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm just watching Powell Gasol endlessly like you want to like for Zach in particular he's a he's a smaller seven footer he doesn't have the frame he's not Nurk like you want to look at the you want to find a guy that you can emulate your game after there you go the guy that's been doing it for 20 years watch the footwork watch how he works watch what he does try to figure those things out um and and use that as as like your quote-unquote mentorship or coaching like the I think the most famous one probably people think about when sports is probably like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. because nobody really like expected or ever, no, nobody thought that that was that it was going to be a problem or anything like that. But you also have to realize you're kind of grooming your replacement. And as we saw with Jeremy Lin today, mm-hmm. these guys aren't ready to give it up. If they're still playing, they aren't ready to give it up. They don't want to give up any of their minutes. Mm-hmm. They don't want to give up any of their time. So like, I think it's a little – I think it's a bridge too far to think that he's going to, you know, big Papa him. You know what I mean? But I, I I do think it's a good addition. I mean, and you never know because, you know, if he wants to make himself, you know, he may decide that it works for him to make himself useful for the league longer. If he wants to, you know, stay in there as long as or longer than Vince, maybe what he figures out is that, you know, playing in game and coaching a player along with him in game. But I also I kind of don't think. Like, you know, when Collins played alongside Ed Davis, he was raw. He was a rookie and he really needed to understand what exactly to do. And I think that he's had enough experience right now that he doesn't need that type of like handholding. He needs the 
you see what he did to you right there? He's going to keep doing it until you respond like this. You know, so I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be awesome. And also, you know, for Yusuf Nurkic, I mean, I guess I don't know yet. Uh, do we know yet? Or are we expecting that Yusuf will actually be with the team for the beginning of it while he's still rehabbing? I, I don't think. know when Nurk's going to be back around. Okay. So like, that's, if, that's, that's kind of one of the things I, I I'm curious myself mm-hmm. when it, cause I know he's been back home and, and back again. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know where, where he's at right now. He just uh, seems like the kind of guy who'd want to be around the team. Yeah. Uh, the, the other, the, the, the depressing part of that is you almost don't want to be around the team too, because you can't play. Right. So, um, I would expect that when the season starts, he's around more often, but I don't know about how much he'll be around uh, training camp and preseason and the likes. With so much turnover uh, on the roster this year, I've been wondering if maybe they're going to do one of their preseason meetups like they did, uh, you know, back in the day. San Diego trips. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're different points in their careers. You know, at the time, you know, Damian Lillard didn't have a BB at home. So, you know, getting away was maybe a little bit easier. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so I don't I don't know if they, you know, if if they do it, but it sure would be uh, a fun thing to see if they do it again. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this whole summer kind of plays out for these guys. It's uh it's a little oh, bit- yeah, since no one's going to Team USA now, <laughs> unless, you know, they come down to like in the third pass trying to get players on and they come down and they add Anthony Simons or, you know, somebody yeah, just trying to fill they, that they, roster. They are they are definitely they're running out of players just as soon as we're running out of. I, too, have foregone my chance to play with Team USA jokes on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, I think that the the biggest questions we have coming into the season pertain to the rotation, which is you know kind of convenient because hey, I yeah. I wrote a long piece about that this yeah, week. Yeah, let's let's turn to that. So uh, yeah, you did uh, wrote what I I really enjoyed the piece where you thought through what the rotations could look like, knowing what we know now, which mm-hmm. is not the full picture. Obviously, whatever happens in training camp, who steps it up, you know, all that stuff, you know, will uh, likely change things. Correct. But to start with, um, knowing what we know now, who do you think is going to be starting on opening night? From who and from what I've heard and from you know, what's been talked about, it looks like it's going to be Damon CJ with Hood, Collins and Whiteside. Mm-hmm. That, that those are presumptive five starters. I know there's a lot of people that think Baysmore should start. Um, just drawing the line here. Uh, Hood took less money um, to come back to a team and got a player option on a contract that he took less money on. If you connect a few dots, there's likely a scenario that it happened where Hood was probably told one thing or another. Mm-hmm. So what I, I, I think what you're trying trying to say without saying it. So I'll, I will uh, try to extrapolate from there. Um, is uh, that uh, you know uh, in order to keep Hood, they may have made some promises like you get to start, and I don't you know I don't know possibly. Um, you know that that could in, be entirely possible, or they could have said we're going to promise you this many minutes or whatever. I don't know how these things work at all. Well, let's let's put it this way: uh, Ennis Cantor was a Boston Celtic until the Blazers um, promised him twenty minutes a night last season, and suddenly Ennis Cantor was a Portland Trailblazer. So, well, so I was. Uh, uh, Jason Quick also had a piece. Actually, mm-hmm. all of the athletic writers wrote what they thought the rotations were going to be for their teams as well. So Jason Quick's came out together. And one thing that he did point out is that um, Stotts may want to keep Hood with the second unit. A lot of it's mm-hmm. going to depend, like what I was saying, about like the chemistry that comes out of... Out of camp. Uh, yeah, out of, out of camp. I mean, so, you know, what if, you know, they want yeah what if they want to keep him do a go for a campaign for six man or or something like that i mean can you see that kind of a scenario those are all very possible scenarios Mm -hmm. um i also look at this roster and go hey rodney hood as a starter in utah was very good like it's it's not a bad thing to have another guy on the floor who can create his own shot like because here's the thing like without hood out there 
you only have two guys who can create their own shot. Like Bazemore's not not taking guys off the bounce. That's that's not a thing. He's more of your West Matthews he's a catch type. And shoot. He's a play finisher. He's not he's not a guy and that's and I think what has limited Portland in the past is only having two of those guys on the floor at any given time. Now if if you if you flip to the second unit and if you have Bazemore out there with Simons, who I, I get it, he's unproven, he's young. I'm telling you, the kid can create his own shot. <laughs> I'm not worried about that at all. Mm-hmm. But if you have him out there with him, with Hazonia, who's good off the dribble, and Powell, who can create his own shot, like that's you have multiple guys who, if you give them the ball, they can create their own shot. And I think that's the balance that's going to be uh, what they're going for. It's not only having those secondary uh, creators and initiators – but having multiple guys on the floor who can get their own shot as well late in the clock. But so far the assumption is that Hood is in that starting lineup. Yes. Um, but the other assumption that I don't want us to forget about is Terry Stotts often has a wild card. <laughs> yeah. No, he <laughs> certainly the does. No and he wants experiment. Um, so like in, with regards to the starting lineup, um, can you see who who might be the most likely wild card? Like, what if he puts in Scal for twelve minutes a game and play in the first six minutes and then sprinkles another six minutes to him? I later? don't think anybody's gonna budge Collins out of that lineup because they have too much invested in him. Mm-hmm. They let Aminu walk in part to let Zach have the opportunity to fill those minutes. Uh, he needs to learn how to play against. If they, if he's a part of the future, he needs to play against starters. Like, like that, that needs to happen. The only place I think I can see any, any weirdness or wild card here is at three. And even then, I don't think they can get that wild. Like, like if you wanted to get real weird, you could go Nasir. Mm-hmm. But I just don't like if anybody was a candidate for the Noah Vonley treatment, it would be Nasir. And that would be purely because in camp he goes, he just shows out defensively. And he's, he's a incredibly young athletic kid that, you know, they just kind of, pull the leash off of and say, go get him, go get him young man. Right. Like build up some confidence and yeah. And he's only going to play six minutes a half. And, but that mean that's as weird as I'm willing to get with, with that part of it. Well, so kind of the, the reason that I went with scowl is, you know, when, when Noah Vonley came to Portland, he was very young, but he'd been in the league a number of years because he entered the league very, very young. And Scott's yeah. basically was just like, I thought he could use the minutes, you know? And so I thought, you know, that uh, that Scal seemed like a, a worthy candidate for that because and then the other thing I was wondering about, you know, to address what you said about Collins is what if what if they want Collins and Simons playing together? I just I just don't think they'll go that way. Now, I, I get what you're saying. Um, it would, in the sense, be something they could take a look at. But I think Scal is going to have to prove a lot um to get some blank time. Now I don't see him out of the rotation by any means. Like the article I put in there, I didn't have any minutes listed, but that was more of like, okay, this is what's the prevailing wisdom. It's up to, you know, X player to show something in camp to show that they earn it. That's the same as always. Whether it was Jake Lehman, whether it's been Pat Connaughton, there's always somebody that finds a little bit of room. Like Gary Trent and Scal both have the ability to find their way playing on a semi-regular basis. Like I, I don't, I don't think that's a stretch by any. Like if if Gary just gets dumb hot, like he has shown in the past, he's a guy that if you you throw in there for end of quarter, end of half bursts, just let him get a couple loose, and guess what? He he may get out there and just figure it out all of a sudden. Um, Scal, as much as we talk about Anthony in that game against Sacramento, let's not forget Scal was hitting step back fadeaway threes. Yeah, <laughs> like that was pretty obscene when you think about it uh he he definitely has some skill there uh, and it's no doubt there's there's no uh, it's not exactly a surprise I, i'm a big fan of scal and i have i've i've had real estate on scal island for a very long time um the property values aren't haven't been doing so hot so like listen i'm, I'm all for it he's an awesome human being um and raw talent wise he's he's got skill so if he does put it all together great and then the blazers front court kind of like it has a bit more safety to it let's call it that well and i think one of the things that we've talked about is that no matter what happens because it's it's going to be interesting <laughs> it's gonna be interesting to look writing at. about this team talking about this team watching this team everything about this team 
even if something goes sideways, it's going to be interesting because there are so many changes. Outside of Damon and CJ, everything's different. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's responsibilities up and down the lineups is different. Like that's that's the, the the big key here. Like the bench unit is entirely different. So it, it's it's going to be really strange. Well, uh, so one of the things that you talked about in the article was whether or not Stotts might do hockey style substitutions, like he did last year. Yeah, which um, caught everybody and, off off guard. Right? Yeah, or go back to sta- staggering uh, Damon CJ. What, so my first question before we go into like what he's going to do this year is why do you think? Because it seemed like he started doing that hockey substitution when it became clear that Evan Turner was going to be the primary ball handler for the second unit. Why do you think it took so long to get there? Trust Stotts is old school. Young young guys don't get the opportunities. But Evan uh, Turner wasn't a young guy. No, but he also – there needed to be some convincing done that Evan was capable of not only running the unit but that the other guys would be able to score around him. Mm. Like that was the thing. Like the difference between last year and the year before that was, you know, who was on the – who was coming off the bench to score? Like there was, there was no Seth Curry out there. Right. There, there, there was no – there were no additional offensive weapons out there that could get you anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they needed more shooting options yeah, to make things right because Jake wasn't playing the same way. No. Yeah, okay. nobody, nobody was really a viable candidate then. And so, what are they, your thoughts on whether or not they're going to go back to that? I, the more I look at it, the more I think they're going to stagger Damon CJ, and mm-hmm. I think it, it's for a lot of different reasons. I think they're going to need to have one of them on the floor at all times. Um, for and I shouldn't say at all times. I should say for for a long Most period of the time. Yeah, because I, I think they do need to maximize opportunities when they're on the floor together to start games and end games. But in between, I think it's going to be about building up uh, Anthony Simons and having shot making and shot creating up and down the roster. That's if, if you're talking about a theme of this offseason, whether it's minimum signings or who they're giving more roles and responsibilities to, it's shot creators and shot makers. Like that's that's what they're looking at. And if you stagger those guys, there's always an elite one on the floor, along with a bunch of secondary tertiary guys or if depending on how you view uh, Simons, you know, a guy who has a ton of potential. So it'll be interesting, like I said. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, you know, to return to what I brought up earlier, I'm intrigued by. Collins and Simons together. If we're going to go back to what I talk about with dynasties and building up the younger people coming along beside, you know, the established veterans, I would expect that we will see some time with the two of them playing together. Did you figure that into your rotations? Not really. I think they will spend some time together with the second unit, but I don't think it's going to be a ton. I think we're probably looking at like four or five minutes of overlap, depending on how much minutes or how many minutes Zach gets with the the second unit. Um, or if it's Anthony out there basically with the starters, you know, minus Dame or minus CJ. Um, I just don't think it's going to be that long. Um, I, I know that those two guys together are kind of the future of the Blazers, but also when you look at them, it's a, I don't know if they, they play off each other well just yet, but it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out through the season. Yeah. I mean, we won't, we won't know until we see it. <laughs> we, no, exactly. we haven't had a, a chance to see it. I, you know, the, I, the idea of, you know, Anthony getting some minutes here and there with the starters minus either Dame or CJ, that's intriguing to me. I could see them doing that. Hey, maybe he's, no, he wouldn't be the wild card in the lineup because they're not going <laughs> to <see> CJ. <laughs> <laughs> I I've seen plenty of people start already. I've I've seen like maybe they should start Anthony and sit CJ. So there's always Dame or CJ on the floor. I'm like, guys, I thought we'd move past this. On on one side note, um, how do we feel about uh, the ant colony? It's fine. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. no I think it's fine. No. Okay. Fine. I mean, oh. yeah, I like it. I guess. Whatever. How does how does, does Anthony feel about it? Did you ask him when he was on the show? No, I I came up with it afterwards. Ah, oh, well, next time he comes, hopefully he'll be on the show again because you guys did such a good job talking to him, and he'll come on again, and then you can ask I him. I think then. he'll be back. Yeah. What was that like meeting him in person? What were your impressions of him in person? <laughs> There's a picture one of our producers, uh, Eric Ringering, took. Um, 
And Aunt and I are about the same height sitting in a chair. I was going to say, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. We're I'm about the same height sitting in a chair. <laughs> but if you look, you can see under the table, his legs, his legs are up. so much longer than mine. It's hilarious. I was just like, uh, like my feet, like, you know, it's one of those raised chairs. It has the, the little circular foot bar yeah. down. And like, like the, the like tips of my toes are like on the bar. <laughs> his feet are firmly on the floor, like stretched out in front of him. Like, like, God, you really are like seven inches taller than me. Good God. Uh, but he's, I tell you what, he has definitely put on weight. Now he's, he's still, a, he's still a smaller guy. Um, and I think he's always going to have kind of a Jamal Crawford ish build. I don't think he's the kind of guy who's ever going to put on a ton of weight, mm-hmm. but he, he does not look physically like a high schooler anymore. Right. Like he, he's, you can see his shoulders are starting to come up. He's mm-hmm. getting a little bit bigger. Um, He's a very, very confident young man. Um, even in a stupid game that we play called Ya or Nah, mm-hmm. and um, we were asking random – Joe was asking Shane and, and Ann for me random questions about Anthony Hardaway. Well, Anf- Simons is named after Penny. Right. Mm-hmm. And his it's going to get very friend, confusing. <laughs> his best friend is Jaden Hardaway, Anthony's son. Um, Shane is from Memphis. But like these questions were like, uh, did Penny wear the number one at every team? And Anthony thought about it a long time. That's a common theme. Anthony does not answer questions very quickly. He takes his time with everything. It's very precise. Um, something that definitely stood out. But he's like, no, he wore number seven with the Miami Heat. Like he just he was through it running. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is like I had to think about it because I remember seeing a different jersey in his house. <laughs> oh wow. It was like, that's kind of a subtle flex. Yeah, I've been to Penny Hardaway's house. <laughs> that's why he was like, oh, that's funny. Shane's from Memphis. Like Shane, Shane has like he, he he's from, you know, the, the 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 stomping grounds of Anthony Hardaway. So but um he, you could see he was getting competitive. Oh, really? Huh. Track the Shane a little bit and like getting into it. And it was anything you get him into, he wants to win. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's not evident right away because he is quiet, but you can like when it starts going, it's like oh, it's, it's time to compete. He flips the switch, and it's 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 a really really cool thing to see. And you can see how the older guys look at him and go, "This kid gets it, like he's he's got it." And everybody I've talked to has said nothing but great things about the young man, and he lived up to every bit of it. Um, so it, it was really really cool cool to have him in the studio. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about him lately. There was an article that came out um, by Michael Pena of SB Nation, full of superlatives. Um, I mean... People. In every one of these articles, it's different people. Everywhere he goes, he has these people saying things about him. And he's just... He has the ability to excite. He, He... Tara, he has it. I just I get worried about the expectations <laughs> like you've been worried about expectations put on other players, but you're not worried about the expectations of Anthony. I mean, in this last article, his skills trainer compared him to Damien, you know, said he's like a cross between Damian Lillard and Clay Thompson. Like that's some high praise to live up to right away. There's a guy who's around those guys. Mm hmm. He's he's seen the same work ethic. He's seen the same skill sets. He's like, don't get me wrong. Things could go very sideways. And, and yes, I I have been one who has definitely said, let's slow the expectations, especially when it com- comes to something like Collins. Number one, it's a big man. Number two, I think Simons is a, is a more more prodigious player. I, I think as I when you look at a, a player in the NBA who looks like they have that that it that real potential to not just be a player in the NBA but be a star or a near star, they stand out among their peers because it's the point one of the point one. Like when you just stand out among the crowd, you have to just be all the superlatives. You, you Otherwise you're just another guy. Now granted you're just another guy in an incredibly select group. But if you're standing out, if, if Dame and CJ are, you know, they're, you're getting their attention immediately when night in night out, they're going up against the best in the world. If Dame's, arguably the second best point guard in the world. Has he gone out? Like, Don't get me wrong. Dame has gone out of his way to praise his teammates in the sense of love. But as far as like 
proclaiming their skill sets or their talent level. I don't remember Dame going out of the way to talk about anybody the way he has Simons. Do yeah, you? He did about Myers in like their second year here. I remember that clearly. And again, um, but even in that sense, skill wise, nobody's going to say Myers isn't supremely skilled. Right. Yeah. And, and I think I, for, for well, your view, <laughs> there probably would be people who would say that, but his they would be insanely wrong. <laughs> the, the, well, the, the, when he was at, cause so I've always backed Myers because of that interview that Damian Lillard did all those years ago where somebody asked him, is there a player on the team that people don't know yet how good he is? And he said Myers Leonard without hesitation. So I was like, oh, okay. If Damian yeah. says so, then I believe in Damian. So I I totally – I'm not saying that that is not true or whatever. We saw that there was trouble uh, translating that onto the court all of the time. Um, but yes. I think what your point is, you know, to this point, uh, you know, with a summer league, he was – it is really fun watching Anthony Simon score. Really fun. <laughs> I mean, he's he does – he scores with ease. Somebody was talking about, like, it on Twitter, and I was like, okay, somebody define what it is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like – it's just like with – it's is able to do things with ease, like without – making anything look hard it's just mm. you know there there's um you know there's just a, a things that are complicated look simple because they can do it all so expertly yeah um, i mean the, the the simple one for me to point to here is that the one that everybody saw the dunk video yeah i i asked him about the dunk video and i said well, you know did your teammates seen this before and he said no well i said well why he's like i just felt good that day like that's insane to, to, I mean, what he was doing was on the level of elite dunkers and athletes in the NBA. And he was, again, making it look very simple. And that was just on a whim. Like, oh, let me go ahead and show off that I can, you know, do 360 reverse or I can go off one from, you know, outside, you know, 15 feet outside the paint. Like it was just like, are you, are you kidding me? What, what is this? Mm-hmm. And he just makes everything look simple. Now, the level of expectation, even I said this, they have not – the organization has openly put this level of expectation on a player since Damien. Mm-hmm. No, nobody – You seen, think it's less than the – I mean they put a lot of emphasis on Collins. Well, they, 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 they've already gone past that. We weren't seeing think pieces on how Zach Collins could replace LaMarcus Aldridge or could be the next LaMarcus Aldridge. That 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 part of it's never happened. Now Zach, I think is going to be a good player. The, the way they talk about Simons and the way I've heard him talk around the league is not just good player, but star to superstar. Like that's the expectation. So it's yeah. Like I mean, I have not seen a player like this in this situation before. It's it's a little bit strange. But again, if we're pointing to one thing, it's the fact that this season is going to be very interesting. Right. Yeah, and it's going to be real. What I think is always interesting is December because that's when the scouting reports are out, right? <laughs> yeah, the second time around. And that's when people start, you know, talking to other teams and finding out what X, you know, player X is like and what they did and how to handle it. And then so I'm always interested in how do they react and, you know, to the scouting report that that are out on him. So like, you know, what will happen after Anthony has played significant minutes for six weeks? What will happen after Zach has played? Well, I guess Zach has always played. Um, but you know, if his role gets bigger, what's that going to look like? I'm, I'm just really interested to see how that's going to look. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the big one for me is like, I think that's, that's a part of it is how it looks in the second time around, but more than anything, it's, it's the, it's the first, you know, a couple months of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think that's going to be really impactful because I'll, I'll take it high level here real quick right now. Here's how I think things are going to play out. Dame and CJ are going to get roughly 35 minutes a night apiece. Dame was almost 36 last season. CJ was almost 34. I think it'll probably be right around there again with each of them getting close to 35. So just like an average. between Yeah. So let's just say 70 minutes a night between those two guys. You're going to, have two bigs in Whiteside and Collins. I don't think either one of them is going to play 30 minutes a night. Now, there will be nights when I think they will, but I think there will be plenty of nights where they don't. 
Um, I mean, even with Zach playing kind of both four and five, I only think he's going to pick up probably six, seven, maybe eight minutes a night at center. I think he's going to pick up 20 to 22 at power forward. So that's basically 30 minutes. So that's, that's between like 26 and 30 minutes. Yeah. And that's why I say 28. So he's probably about 28 a night. Yeah. Okay. Now there will be nights where he stays out of foul trouble and things are going really well for him and he's having a good game and all those things are going and then he breaks 31, 32. But for the season, I don't think you're going to see either one of those guys over 30. Where things get weird is the trio of Hood, Bazemore, and Hazonia. Mm-hmm. No matter who starts, you're going to have Hood and Bazemore probably both getting between 24 and 28 minutes. Like that's you, you have to have guys out there, the two, the three, filling in those minutes. There's 48 minutes at the three between those two guys. If you just split the minutes in half between those two, it's 24 a night. Mm-hmm. And Simons isn't going to take every minute from CJ because Bazemore is going to get a few minutes of the two. And Simons is going to get some of the minutes at the point behind Dame. So now you got to find Hazonia in there. Well, if those guys are playing the two and the three, who's going to fit in there? Well, if you talk, if you want to listen to what Olshay said about how Mario Hazonia is going to have an immediate opportunity to contribute, I'm air quoting here. That's what he said at the press conference. Pick up the subtlety, folks. <laughs> Mario Hazonia is going to have an immediate opportunity to contribute. So he's going to get minutes. Yes. Significant minutes to start off with, at least. I, the assumption is right now that they will have him out there for 20 minutes a night playing be- between. And here's the weird thing. They will run a bench lineup, I think, at some point in time that will include Anthony, Bazemore, Hood, Hazonia, insert center here. And the the trio of Hood, Bazemore, and Hazonia will be fluid positionlessly, like positionally. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think they're going to want it that consistently because of the the size difference between Bazemore and Hazonia between two to four is pretty significant. Like Hazonia's, he, he's put on some pretty solid weight. He's he's every bit of six nine. He's about two thirty five. He he's he, he's a capable he's guy. Solid. <laughs> he's a very solid young man. Yes. Um. So. I think we're we're going to see some of that, and then the Tolliver's going to figure in there. Um, probably, I don't I don't think he's going to get many minutes of the three. Like I know he he played some previously in Minnesota and Detroit. I just I don't. I think most of his minutes are going to be spent at the four. So you think the rotation's going to be nine or ten to start the season? I mean, and that leaves- what I love about Terry Stotts is that he just when the, there is a new toy to play with, he one hundred percent goes out there and tinkers. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to see those guys up and down the lineup. And that means Simons probably plays between 14, 22, but that leaves like 25 to 30 minutes a night remaining between Gasol, Tolliver, and then insert Scal, Gary, Nasir. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And again, we, we talked about Gasol. I think he's going to get 12 or 16 of those minutes. Tolliver gets a handful of those minutes or Scal gets a handful of those minutes. Um, the, the 10, 11, 12 spots are going to be really interesting to see how those go. Like last season, we saw Myers get some minutes. We saw Jake get some minutes. You know, we, we, we saw just like different opportunities for different. We saw Simons get minutes. Remember uh, the, the, the Midwest trip? Mm-hmm. Simons came out there, was getting minutes uh, in Minnesota out of nowhere. Yeah, he didn't get a lot of minutes. He no. Had, he had 141 but, and 48 of them were in the last game. But remember, it was the middle of the season, and they were like, "Hey, that was Let's when they first started. Well, they for, they started to see some stuff from him and shoot arounds and practices, and they're like, this kid has got it.' But they, I, I think the big thing was is physically he wasn't ready. He was he was just too too much too too lethal a frame to kind of get out there and, and get it done. But the only thing to me that's really locked in right now are the seventy minutes between Damon CJ and the sixty combined between Whiteside and Collins, and you probably. The, the next tier down is Simons. Everything else is very fluid and outside of any um, promises that were made to other players. And we haven't even talked about what happens when Yusuf Nurkic comes back. I don't want to get to that point because that I think that has the potential to get really weird and not good. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and if it's also around the trade deadline. Yes. There's that to consider. as Exactly. Well. So that's that's going to be. 
Well, I think we've speculated about as much as we (laughs) possibly can at this point, knowing nothing, because there's always, always something that happens. It's August, baby. (laughs) Or somebody may turn out to need some kind of medical procedure or Dame's going to start having load management. You know, there's going to be all kinds of things. And then Stott's always, he, I can't, he's always does something that makes us all go, huh? (laughs) so i can't wait to see what that is yeah it's gonna be fun to see how that all plays out right well do we have anything else we need to cover we should probably just go ahead and wrap it up here i think no i think that's good for now um camps will be here sooner rather than later and it'll be uh be plenty of things to talk about then Mm -hmm. right on well why don't you uh tell people where they can find you all right, well, folks, you can find me on Blazers Outsiders every Thursday night during the summer on NBC Sports Northwest at 630 with Joe Simon, Shane Brennan, and myself. On social media, at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. Um, shoot me any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, whatever. Um, or if you see me out and about, um, as long as I'm not with my fiance, <laughs> feel free to come up and talk hoops to me anytime. I had uh, somebody come up to me at the park today, and they kind of like, I didn't want to say anything. Listen, if you ever see me, and I'm sure Tara's probably the same way. And you want to talk Blazers, feel free to come up and, and talk to me. I, I, I live for this stuff. You saved that uh, right at the end, Dan. <laughs> what? Not, not not trying to sound like a diva there. Like, if you ever see me out, you can come up and say no, hi no, to no. me. <laughs> I, I, had, like, I had somebody at the park. I know. I'm giving you a hard time. Sean and his wife and their, their incredible basketball-loving one-year-old. It was fantastic. Uh, no, it was, it was really cute. Um Where's it going? Oh, we do have some cool guests uh, coming up on the show. That'll be very soon. Um, we obviously had obviously had Anthony Simons. We've got uh, Sean Hyken, uh, Amara Baptist, and Casey Holdall all booked for August, as well as working to get another active player uh, and a new addition to the Blazers roster uh, on the show. So that'll be cool. Uh, other than that, I think we're pretty much dialed in. What do you got, Tara? fun oh my gosh i can't wait mm-hmm. to see who else you you get to talk to on the on the show you did a good job taking care of anthony so they're gonna let some other players come on it's making making a few making it you know do things the right way and make people happy uh, i should say on the blazers edge podcast two weeks from now we do have steve jones jr son of the legendary snapper jones jr coming on the show so excited so That's excited for you Right on. Yeah. So, okay. So I, on the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast last week, we had Marin Fader. Yes. Who uh, was one of the best writers on the planet. Was an absolutely fantastic guest. It was fascinating talking to her about some of the stories of the stories uh, behind what she has written. So you can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can find the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. If you want to get the weekly podcast and the Hoops and Talks podcast, all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts and or whatever podcast catcher you use and subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast and you will get two podcasts a week. Let's see. I think that about wraps it up. So I guess I'll talk to you in a week, Dan. Sounds good. Bye-bye. All right.